Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. After spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the Clubhouse. GSW is certainly picking up steam in search, recruiting, training, and consulting. The Clubhouse is a career development platform consisting of monthly webinars, in-depth training vault, job board, mentorship platform, blogs, and a focus on mental health. Be sure to sign up for a free membership at theclubhousecareers.com. In addition, thanks for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. For season three, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path, three key topics that are current in the industry, three hustle hot seat questions, three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. Imagine starting your career as an intern with an organization and continue working your way up with the same team over the next 16 years. Our next guest did just that, and I'm excited to share his story. Jay Riola, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Innovation for the Orlando Magic. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate you having me. Jay, very excited to have you and dive into your illustrious career. Basketball has always been a big part of your life, and you even played collegiately at Trinity University in San Antonio. Was it just always a dream for you to work in basketball? Yes and no. Um, I think it was always a dream for me to play basketball as long as I could. And so having the opportunity to play in college at Trinity, which was an amazing school, um, Division Three, small private school just north of, of downtown San Antonio, uh, was great. But when I obviously um, when I went there, the realization of like, OK, I can't play forever started to come to the forefront for me. And so I was fortunate. I had an internship with Cronky Sports Enterprises, which is the ownership group for the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche, at the time, Pepsi Center. They had um, Colorado Rapids recently became a part of, of their portfolio. Um, and so I just found the internship, applied online, was fortunate enough to get it. And it was in their youth and fan development department, which was really focused on grassroots marketing and um, driving youth participation across the Denver Front Range area. And so for me, that was, I think, the point in the time frame in which I realized, wow, there's like there's a professional opportunity in sports business and um, sparked for me the desire to see if I could combine what during my time at Trinity really became, I felt like a passion and an interest in business and finance and um, what has now become data and analytics, but at the time was more just kind of like financial analysis, combining that with the sports industry. Um, and I've always been an NBA, just kind of like super fan and yep. have loved the league, um, followed the Denver Nuggets for good and bad. When I was young, growing up, we had good teams with Dikembe Mutombo. We had really bad teams for a long <laughs> period of time, but um, so that for me really in college was like, wow, there's a career opportunity here. And, um, you know, sports was becoming more commercialized around that time as well. And so I felt like, um, especially as I kind of neared the end of my time in college, it was something I wanted to explore. Now, Jay, that internship led to another internship with Spurs Sports and Entertainment that certainly solidified your career path. Then the magic opportunity came about after college, first as an intern, then as an analyst. What made you want to take that opportunity across country? I love the industry. And so that then led me to apply for 
um, an internship at the time that I felt like looked pretty unique on paper with the magic. It was in a department called business development and strategy. And those department names, you know, in 2005, 2006 yeah. weren't very common. Yep. Um, and it, it wasn't data and analytics at that time. It was really focused on the new arena initiative, which um, Charlie Freeman, my boss now and our president of business operations was kind of the project leader of within the organization. And so when I read the job description, I said, this is, it's, it's in sports, it's in the NBA. Um, it's, you know, it's described in a way that I feel like is incredibly unique and has more of a quantitative and strategic focus to it. Um, and so I applied and, and was fortunate to, to get hired. And like you said, I packed up the car, drove across the country and have, have, have lived in Orlando since. I was going to say, it's ever since. Yeah. You know, and you took that internship and, and parlayed that right into a full-time opportunity first as an analyst. And, you know, your first few years, you dove right in as you were part of the internal team overseeing the design and construction of the brand new Amway Center. How was that overall experience for you? It was absolutely incredible. Um, super educational. Crash course in so many different areas. Um from sports business to a public-private partnership working with the city of Orlando to to get the the financing in place for the new arena. And so my internship year was really a political campaign. We, as as the Magic, were working together with Florida Citrus Sports and a coalition that was trying to get a new new downtown performing arts center. And the mayor of Orlando, who's, who's still our mayor today, Mayor Buddy Dyer, had a community venue blueprint vision, which was over a billion dollars in community venues to enrich the lives of Central Floridians. And so it was a new downtown sports arena, a new performing arts center and renovations to Citrus Bowl Stadium, which is now Camping World Stadium. And so for us, it was it was truly about, you know, kind of um, messaging this opportunity, getting public support and eventually getting both the city of Orlando and Orange County government to vote in favor of the plan to move forward that um, allowed for the ultimately the construction of the venue. So my first, my internship year was really focused on that. Once the plan was approved, I transitioned into more of a, first a financial analyst role. Um, The team contributed um, in total, it was just under like $100 million, but it was $50 million in cash. We served as um, kind of the backstop for any cost overruns. We, we gave uh, a big donation to the Performing Arts Center. And so I worked as a financial analyst to help kind of secure that financing um, and build a pro forma model, which, you know, was incredible to be a part of. And so yeah. I was really like working in Excel and taking direction from Steve Griggs, who is our EVP of sales and like, you know, people like Chip Bowers and Chris Dorso and these executive sales and partnership and marketing leaders to understand how a new arena could drive incremental revenue to the organization. And then once um, kind of financing was in place, I was a part of, as you mentioned, the project team that oversaw design and construction. And so you talk about just learning about sports business we worked with every department at the Magic to understand their operating needs and to try to account for those in the design of the new arena. Um, and so we we toured the country looking at other arenas and other stadiums and understanding, you know, what was done really well and what, what could have been done better. 
How was the fan experience changing as, as technology became more important? And so I, I really look back on that and feel like it was an incredibly unique opportunity and an immersive opportunity to learn so much and to get to be a fly on the wall for so many different conversations and meetings that um, I feel very fortunate to have had at, an, at any point in your career, but especially an early point in my career to just kind of open my eyes to the, the comprehensive business and, and what matters to people in different roles. And, and so, yeah, I think that for me was just like, you know, I, I look back and say like for, for kind of an early phase launch into this industry, I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. Yeah, you basically got a master's and a PhD in the business in your first couple of years. And, you know, now, Jay, over the next 16 years, you've held eight different roles with the Magic. And so what do you feel like you've done on such a consistent basis to just continue to get elevated and take on more and more responsibility? I So there's a couple, there's a couple things that I feel I've done and that I've also just been the beneficiary of. And I probably would say that they're connected. Um, and yeah. I actually, as I mentioned to you, I, I listened to your podcast. I listened to Eric Platt and I heard him talk about his willingness to take on um, new projects. And as the organization, you know, the, there, the Atlanta Hawks implement new initiatives, just a willingness to kind of step forward and work on new areas and, and kind of become a subject matter expert. I feel very similar here. Um, obviously a big part of that was the arena initiative and just the fact that there were so many new things happening. Um, and so I, I early on got the opportunity to kind of step forward and um, be project, be a project manager, not necessarily like a title, but a project manager. My title may have been intern or right. analyst. It doesn't matter. I, I managed a process and um navigated it successfully, you know, gathered input from people, moved it forward and kind of saw it through to a successful conclusion. And I feel like that learning experience led to, um, over time, right, the implementation of a data analytics and business intelligence unit, the implementation of our new CRM system and kind of driving adoption and utility for the organization. Um, implementing our new mobile app and some of the digital solutions that we did. And so I think as you, you know, in any role, whether it's sales or strategy and analytics or partnership focused, if you have a willingness to step forward at times and kind of take ownership of something and invest yourself to become a subject matter expert, which as you know, doesn't always take that much time and energy because it can just be a little bit more knowledge than everyone else. And you're seen as like, wow, this, you know, this individual knows a lot and can help guide us in a better direction here. Um, I feel like that those help, but it, it kind of was a circular effect, right? As I was trusted in early because I think of the arena and just so much happening, but as I successfully led some projects through to completion, I was identified as someone when the next project came up who could move something else forward. Hey, this um, is our person. And, and that has, has truly helped me, I think, grow in, in my career and um, my, my confidence in tackling new projects, even, which, even if they're in areas in which I have no previous or very limited experience previously. And I think it's great advice. It's, it doesn't necessarily matter what your title is. It's, it's what are the true responsibilities you're given? And are you immersing yourself to become that, that expert of it? And, you know, now the magic and yourself have always been on the leading front and pioneering many digital products that help improve fan experience and business results. To name a few, Fast Break Pass, Flexible Ticketing, Magic Money, Magic Rewards, 
In addition, Jay, you're helping lead the selection and, and ultimately renegotiation of some key technology partners, including the team SaaS, Ticketmaster, Venue Next, Yinscam Agreements. And so as you look at it as a whole, in this business, we talk a lot about innovation and technology. Why do you think they played such a big role in the overall success for, for you and the Magic? I think, so the first part of the question, I feel like we, um, as an organization, were early investors in data and analytics. And part of that was the timing of when we opened Amway Center. In 2010, secondary ticket markets had started to disrupt the way teams thought about ticket pricing. Um, big data had truly taken off. And in sports was an area that teams were recognizing we need we need to better manage our customer data and, and make smarter decisions. And I think because we were an early investor in that, we, we started earlier in terms of kind of like gaining key insights into our business and our fans. And I, I credit our executive leadership and our ownership. And I think they have embraced that data doesn't just lead to reporting and dashboards, but it le leads to insights that we should embrace and figure out how to transform our business to improve based on those. And so an example, right, is like, we know that season ticket holder retention is in large part due to whether a season ticket holder is using their tickets and getting value back from it. Obviously, we would love for that to be personal attendance, but if you can't attend, are you reselling them? Are you successfully giving them away? And we, um, as we learned more and more about how that influenced a decision holder's decision to renew their membership, we felt like, well, we should we should establish a solution. We cre should create a solution that helps remove a pain point if a, a fan can't attend a game. You know, in the NBA, it's a high-density schedule. You're playing so many games. There's oftentimes you're playing three games in five days, and right. no one, you know, no one may want to go to that many games. Um, so we created the Magic Money program, where a fan could return tickets to the team and convert the value of those tickets into a virtual currency. Um, and so I feel like. You know, that's an example, but I feel like there are, are many ways in which we've looked at as an organization, and, and this is where I feel fortunate of our team, is there's leaders in different divisions and ticketing and partnerships that have truly heard from the analytics team and, and kind of leaned on like, what are the insights that come from this analytical work that we're doing? And what, what are we willing to actually take some risks on to perhaps change our products, the way in which we do business, to um, remove friction points and pain points for our fans? Um, which kind of leads to the next question. I think the, the vendors that we work with, we look at them as partners. And, you know, I like you use the term partners. Um, some of those truly are marketing partners, right? Like some of them are investing money back to grow their brand and attract new customers. Some are maybe just technology vendors that we treat as strategic partners of ours. And I think that's really something key that I've learned um, from my peers here with the organization is the value of partnership. Yep. If you look at a vendor as a Not vendor- transactional. Exactly. If you look at a vendor as a vendor, it, it can be commoditized and there's really no differentiation and you're not going to establish roots where we have looked at our partners and we've invested a lot of time, energy and effort to develop solutions with Venue Next, with Yinscam, with Ticketmaster that are important to our business and our and our customers. And so treating them as, as, as true partners, right? And realizing that um, they have their own priorities and, and their own roadmaps, but if they're willing to kind of work with us to establish um, 
solutions together and kind of have shared work product, it's really valuable. And so I think that's been a big learning of mine. I credit, you know, Charlie Freeman um, has has always kind of preached the value of partnerships and in, in all forms of that word and, and working um, really hand in hand with both your marketing partners, obviously, but also your technology vendors and other partners who are helping you to execute your business. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jay Riola, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Innovation for the Orlando Magic. So, Jay, let's get into the three hot topics. Question one, we've talked a lot about innovation and technology, and you're certainly one of the leading trailblazers in the data and analytics world in sports. Over the next five years, what do you feel like organizations should be doing to continue to enhance in that data and analytics space? Sure. I think this is um, a buzzword that gets used often, and I don't know that we as an an industry – have really taken it to the next level yet, but is personalization. Yep. I think there are so many examples of companies that do personalization well, that have a lot of data on us um, and use it to create a better user experience, um, a better fan experience, a better customer experience. And in sports now, like all other businesses and industries, there's a tremendous amount of data that we as a team have on our fans, especially fans that are you know, actively coming to games and engaging with us digitally. There's a lot. And I think that we as an industry have been in kind of this collection phase and maybe this um, business intelligence phase where we're, we're doing a much better job of reporting on that data, surfacing it to our key leaders, making predictions on it. But now how am I personalizing a fan's experience that is going to develop a deeper relationship and more engagement with them in the future. And so, um, you know, I think there's, there's so many companies that you could point to, but obviously like Apple and Spotify and Uber, I think use customer data really well to personalize and add convenience to their customer base. Um, and I think that's a big area of opportunity for us in sports is there's a lot more we need to do to kind of personalize our communication and our relationships with our fans. And that just becomes back to that, you know, that partnership world. You know, if you, you feel like you're a partner with the team and you're immersed and it's kind of your friends and that's just part of your everyday life. And so, Jay, question two, over the years, there's been a lot of discussion going on that data point of building from that data. And what have you seen successful thus far? And what is the next stage of truly understanding consumer behaviors? 
This is a, this, this is a, a really good question. I feel, um, you know, and kind of going back to some of the solutions that we have created, um, having a willingness to actually transform your, some of the key elements of your business in light of the insights that you're learning through data analysis and through primary research. And so, for example, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk for a long time about like the death of the season ticket. And I don't know that the season ticket will ever die. I think that there are fans that care so much about their teams and there's pride there. But I do think that there is a, a paradigm change where fans realize that tickets are accessible right? No matter what, like a sellout is a sellout in, in one form, but tickets can still be accessible on secondary markets and through other places. And so I feel like, um, how can we evolve in our ticketing products and how we activate partnerships to be, and which we've already done as an industry, it's no longer just about, you know, right. signage in the venue. Um, it's, it's so much deeper than that. And I think, um, there's a lot of opportunity for us to, I think, go even further though, and um, truly recognize through data, like what matters to fans and not be as rigid and like, well, this is, this is what we're selling. And this is how we've structured um, what we go to market with. Uh, So product innovation, I think is a, is a key area for us. Um, You know, another area I think that we all acknowledge is just kind of the, the future of viewership and um, how streaming and subscription and, accessibility are, are going to, to be uh, important for us because, you know, the traditional cable television model or satellite television model is, is something of the past. And so I think that there's a lot of kind of innovation and change that is already occurring, but, but can continue to evolve going forward. No, absolutely. And, and finally, question three, Jay, in addition to your busy career there at the Magic, you've also taken the liberty to go back and be an adjunct professor at the University of Central Florida What's one piece of advice every individual should know about the sports business? I think, I, and I tell the students in my analytics class at UCF, there is, is, it's more competitive now, but there's so many different ways you can be involved in sports business. It is not just working for a team or a college property or some other sports property. There are obviously, there's, sports architects, there's contractors, there's attorneys, there's agencies that do marketing research. And so I feel like there um, is a tremendous amount of area that if you're interested um, in working in sports, to not just feel that the opportunities available to you are working with a team or a league or, you know, a sports property. And I think that that can kind of change the way that someone looks at securing a job and growing their career. Um, It can inform that in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned like four or five different technology partners that we work with that that are specialized in in software solutions in sports and entertainment. And I think those are all right. Like those are all areas as well. So that's a bit of advice I tell someone interested in sports is it's a lot more than just, the team logos and clubs that you see on the field or the court. Yeah. Jay, what a great career. You recently named the sports business journal 40 under 40. Congratulations on that. And ton of great advice, fun to hear about your journey. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? I'm ready. I think (laughs) if you owned a boat, what would you name it? So I think I'd name it staying afloat. I like it. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? This is easy. Chipotle. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you could go to dinner with anyone, who would it be? One person. Okay. Can I have a, a table of, uh, <laughs> we'll give you a, we'll give you a table. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell. I find a lot of his, uh, his books, his podcast, super interesting. He would probably be one. And then I just read a book, uh, Bill Russell's, um, go up for glory. So, you know, the, the all-time winningest NBA champion was a player coach. He'd probably be another, uh, person I'd, I'd want to sit at the table with. To close it out, Jay, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, so one is be curious. I think, uh, be curious, but not just curious about like, oh, well, how does this work? How does this happen? But kind of taking initiative to roll up your sleeves and, and do some research to figure it out. Um, the second one I would I would say, and I'm still learning this today, but the value of relationships and um, relationship building is a skill, but it also takes time and energy and effort. Um, and, and the third, I think, is um, just the value that can come along with the willingness to be vulnerable. And when you don't know the answer or you're not comfortable, that's oftentimes when growth is, is most possible and most likely. And so if you're willing, you know, if you're not a good public speaker, but you're willing to practice and, and try to find opportunities to get in front of a group and speak, you're going to get better at it. And you're going to get more comfortable. So I think those would be kind of the three areas that off the bat on the hot seat, I'd recommend. I love it. And that's exactly what we talked about during this podcast, you know, being curious that the value of continuing to build and enhance relationships. And I love the idea of vulnerability, you know, both as a, as a person and as a leader, you know, that's a huge opportunity. So Jay, thank you so much. You've certainly had a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you and I appreciate your time and expertise. Great. Thanks, Travis. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.